If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey. Hey. (laughs) How you doing? (sighs) Happy Wednesday. Yeah. There are exactly seven days until the best day of the year, which is (laughs) Halloween. Right. Halloween, Halloween. Halloween, Halloween. In this town. We You've already got your, your costumes lined up. And I've already worn it once. You've already worn one. We already talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. You're getting into the Halloween spirit. Everyone hail to the pumpkin throne. Right, right. It is the one night that this house is open to all. Yep. <laughs> Anyone want to come over? Come get drunk? <laughs> just, just come over. <laughs> um, this is Mystery Murdery yes, Thingy. Yes, this is Mystery Murdery Thingy. I'm Chloe. I'm Mario. That's Mario. That's Chloe. Um... We talk about mysteries. And murderies. And thingies. Lots of thingies. So many thingies. Yeah. Um, like you last week. With the oceans. Yes, we talked about oceans. Not uh-huh. oceans. We talked about the weird shit in the ocean. Right, right. There's also literal shit in the ocean. Lots of it. Isn't that nice? Also lots of plastic. Oh, there's a... Okay, I heard that the island, the the like... There's, Island, it's the size of Texas or something like crazy like one, that. But yeah, there's like the really one really there's big one. There's more than one? Well, it's where the, the gyres, you know, it's like where the ocean vortexes like meet up, you know, and it collects all the crap. But there's like the one really, really big one, yeah. 
Ew. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if my retainer's in there. Probably. Most likely. That's so nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hum- humans are a destructive uh, force on the earth. That's true. But um, part of my weird <laughs> shit in the news has to do with oceans. Oh, really? That's cool. What does mine have to do with? We'll find out at the end. Gotta stay till the end. Yeah, you have to stay till the end. Anyway. This is the end. Do you go first or second or third or fourth? My only... Um, I, I'll go first. Sure. You'll go fourth? I'll go Great. first. I'll go first. Why not? Do you want to rock, paper, scissors or what? Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. On shoot. Okay. Right. Okay. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh my god! <laughs> Remember, we can't edit this. We've tied like three times in a row. Okay. Okay, rock, rock paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Yes. Okay, you go first. I'm going first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was awful. Thank you for bearing through our game of fucking rock, paper, scissors. That was awful. <laughs> the best radio content you could ever possibly we, it's imagine. It's because we're the same person. It's true. <laughs> it's we are like kind of the same. Um... Okay, so I'm talking about the kidnapping of Sherry Papini. Now, this is quite odd, and it is a mystery, and I wish I... It's one of those where it's frustrating that it's a mystery. Like, I wish it wasn't. I want to know. I want to know. Can you show me? This is a singing episode. It's because I just got back from a rehearsal. I know, right? Singing rehearsal. Singing, singing. I want to know about the strangers like me. Good for you. Phil Collins, anyone? Good for you. Ba-dum, 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 <laughs> bum, bum, I can feel it come. Okay, we're moving on. Mario's. <laughs> um, I don't know how to describe this dancing. <laughs> Terrible. Okay, so um, if anything can be lighthearted, it's this. Because it's a survival story. Okay, cool. But it's not lighthearted. Okay. All right. So, oh, it didn't happen. It happened in 2016. So very recently, November 2nd, 2016, Redding, California. So, Sherry Papini, um, 34, was jogging. She normally does, and she was allegedly abducted. She wasn't seen again. So her husband Keith. Um, becomes worried when he he comes home from work and he knows something is wrong immediately because he can't find her. Um, So what he does is he tracks her phone, like the Find My iPhone. He finds it. He finds the phone and he finds earbuds on the trail at the intersection of Sunset Drive and Old Oregon Trail. And it's about a mile from their home. So... He went to the police, and because it hadn't it hadn't been that long, and she's an adult, they put her as a volunteer. They what is it? Voluntary missing adult. Mm. Um, but like they always do, they look at the husband first, of course. Um, but uh, Keith, uh, he is uh, a good dude. He's cooperative. Um, he. Tells the police everything, but he's still not ruled out. Because it is usually the husband, like, truly, like, 
most of the time it's just like it's the husband or, or the someone wife you or know the family member you know like yeah 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 when um if you all haven't listened to the most recent mfm sorry i'm gonna spoil it but the i can't remember if it was karen or georgia's she like started telling it and it was like you know the whole thing where the husband and wife were found together they were both shot but then it was like you kind of get the sense that it was like oh it's gonna end up being the husband <laughs> like you just hear it's just like a story that recurs you know where it's like they were both attacked but oh the husband is the only one who knows what happened and he claims it was like some black guy or some hispanic guy yep and Classic. then you're just immediately like oh fuck it was the husband <laughs> yeah and of course it was so this big old black dude walks in oh so it was you <laughs> right. right. Okay. Right. Cool. Right. Cool. 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 Um, <laughs> she was killed in like this, like upscale California home. It was, it was three three Mexican guys. Yeah. Anyway, we've been kidnapped. <laughs> so Keith puts up a GoFundMe. Okay. For. An independent investigation because he feels, him and also the rest of the family felt that the police weren't doing their job, that what was going on was inadequate. Even though the police at this point still think that she wasn't abducted. Okay. Um, like I said, she was put as a voluntary missing adult. So three weeks later... After all this panicking, all this searching, this investigation, Thanksgiving morning, Sherry Papini was found. So what happened was she was had been tipped out of a car in Yolo County, 150 miles south of where she lived. Her her nose was broken, her she'd be beautiful long locks chopped off. And she weighed 87 pounds. There what? were signs of starvation. She had been beaten. And she was branded on her left shoulder. Which is typical of sex trafficking. Oh my god. So, this is where the case becomes a little bit weird. Sherry was not forthcoming about her whereabouts at all. She had the class... I mean, not classic doesn't that's not the right word but the story was that she was blindfolded from where because she didn't know where she was and uh she told the sheriff that she was taken by two hispanic women who wore masks and kept their faces hidden from her the entire time they either kept their faces hidden from her or they blindfolded her um or their heads were covered or her head was covered so meanwhile, the um, GFM GoFundMe, I was trying to figure out what that meant. Go, <laughs> the GoFundMe, re- okay, so yeah, the GoFundMe remains active for a year. They raise about $50,000 total. And then an anonymous donor offers another $50,000 to help bring Sherry back. So this is like before she was found, like during this like three week period. An, an anonymous donor donates $50,000. So it was used as a reverse ransom. So we'll give you this money if you bring back Sherry. 
um, investigators were like, this is not a good idea. Yeah, that seems it's very It's going to bring weird. in, like, scam artists. It's going to bring in untrustworthy people. You're right. gonna, it's going to bring trouble, and it's not going to bring back Sherry. I mean, have you ever seen The Big Lebowski? Like, dude, she kidnapped herself. The dude. Like, haven't you ever considered the possibility? Like, come on. And that's why, I mean, she was, wasn't even marked as kidnapped at first, abducted. So the police could smell some bullshit. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the money went unclaimed, all of it. Um, the a non-donor then offered six figures through a YouTube video, and I'll explain this. I'll explain this more. Yeah, because um, this is very strange. It is strange. Where is this coming from? And twenty-four hours later, she was found on the highway. Hmm. So just like walking along the highway. Yeah. No, no, no. She, okay. I think what happened was she was found by like a, a a trucker, and he like saw her hand like on the curb, and she was like bring, yeah, like some zombie shit. Yeah, the fuck, really scary stuff. Can you imagine? No, exactly. So, and no one ever claimed that money either. There huh. was no money ever claimed. Weird. So, theories. It's going to be kind of short today because this was one was very strange. There wasn't a lot going on. It only happened um, in in a three week period. So the main theory is that it was an inside job and a promotion for this guy named Cameron Gamble. So let's talk about this dude. He um, is a government security contractor. He worked with the family, so he believed. That Sherry was picked up by a sex trafficking ring, and he believed that it was targeting people down the I-5 uh, to Mexico. So, what's weird about Cameron Gamble is that he acted as the middleman with the anonymous donor. Like, they were the people that were in communication so he's the one who had the YouTube video. In the YouTube video, he calls himself an international kidnap and ransom consultant. Hmm. So this is what he says, quote, My name is Cameron Gamble, and I'm an international kidnap and ran- ransom consultant, end quote. Um, quote, I've been retained by an, an individual who wishes to remain anonymous, an individual who has come forward to offer a cash reward for a ransom for Sherry Papini's safe return to her family. End quote. So the theory here would be that they made up the whole thing to promote this guy's business where he, like, recovers kidnapped people. Yes. Like, look, oh, look how well I recovered this person. Yes. You know, but really it was just like, but she was actually branded. Yes, that's what's also weird about this, which she, Sherry was hurt. She was legitimately, she came back, starved, beaten, branded. But this whole story of the two Hispanic women, like, that didn't hold up, right? No, and it also doesn't... Because I remember hearing about this one before. Right, right. Yeah. And it also doesn't match the M.O., or not the M.O., the demographic, the, the, what's the word? The, the... The the profile. The profile. The profile of sex traffickers. Mm, Yes and no. I think sex traffickers come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. That's true, especially when it comes to recruitment. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about sex workers, I, my understanding is people are sex trafficked by women as well as men in the sex work in the sex trafficking world. 
Yes, because women tend to be less give off less of a concern, less of a, a bad vibe sometimes. It's like that episode of Supernatural where, what's her name, Alex? She's like the one who like draws the men in. She's like the honeypot, you know? I don't remember. Remember? She like goes out and finds the men. She like tells them she's going to bring them back to her house. And then the vampires. Right, right. Like you remember kind of her thing. name? Well, it's it's like she becomes like a main character. Is Alex... I think. Castiel's daughter, the blonde. Who are you oh, talking about? Maybe, oh, wait. Maybe no, that's a different character. I no, think you're talking about a different character. Oh, never mind. There's so many things in Supernatural. There's Sorry. so, <laughs> so many. much. So many, so many. Oh, uh, But it's that whole idea of you, you get the young woman or the woman or, or it's a couple. Right, right. You know, somehow you put the person at ease. For like, I'm listening to um, The Stranger Beside Me right now, the, the Anne Rule book about uh, Ted Bundy and like... That's how he would do it, right? He's, like, really nice and good-looking. And he would wear a cast on his arm, or he would dress as a policeman. And it's, like, this common thing that, like... Yeah, and by the way, if somebody tells you they're a policeman, and you ask them for their ID, and they don't show it to you, or they you ask them what their name is, or their badge number, and they don't tell you... Boom! Red flag! Get a real policeman. <laughs> like, do not believe them. Do not go in their car. Especially if they don't have a fucking police car. <laughs> like, that's what it was with him. He was, like, trying oh, to get yeah, this girl to go with him, but he just had a bug. He didn't even have a real police car. So she was, eventually, the girl, well, at least in the one instance, was like, no, and, like, ran away. Yeah. Which is so weird with him, not to get on up on a whole tangent about no, the no, body, no. but that he, if women would, like, give him any resistance, he would just walk away. You know, like, when he, he, well, like, he went, didn't want... went to the beach that day and, like, yeah. abducted those two girls... There were, like, a bunch of... He stopped, like, a dozen different young (gasps) women. And, like, ten of them said no, and two of them said yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, which I know is so sad. But the ten who said no, he was just like, oh, okay. And then walked away and, like, tried to find someone else. It's, like, so fucking creepy, uh, the whole thing. But it's a really good book. It's been really good so far. And they talk about his eyes, right? How Mm -hmm. he had these crazy eyes. Exactly, yeah. Women would be like, oh, this guy's, like... He's fine. He's like this youngish, you know, attractive white guy, right? Well dressed, well spoken. But then they would see his eyes and be like, "Oh wait, fuck! There's something wrong with this person. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get the fuck away from him." Yeah. Oh, that's so bizarre. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. Um, okay. So, are there other theories besides the well, trumping up this guy's business? There's more to this. Remember, oh, you okay. were okay. Mario was with me when I was researching this. Okay. And remember, I was like super frustrated, and I was like, "I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what to think of this. I don't know what to think of this person." Right. So you were talking about the guy, like the, yeah, of this yeah. Cameron Gamble dude, right? So there's a, a little seems bit like he might more. be kind of a, a huckster, a shyster. Yeah, yeah. So his actual record of being a like a ransom, an international kidnap and ransom consultant, quote up whatever. Right. So it's a very made up sounding title. It's vague. There's not oh, yeah, a lot to go on. Right. So he wasn't like in the Masood or something, right? No, no. I have a lot of abbreviations in my notes. Leaves AF. What <laughs> Leaves as fuck. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Leaves AF in 2005. Founded... Okay, yes. So he founded a project called Taken. Which... This is very weird. Which, Give my daughter back. 
Give me back my daughter. Which was an anti-abduction. <laughs> that is not. I wasn't trying to do a Liam Neeson voice. Okay. I know that's I'm just the doing problem. the quote. I'm just doing the Doesn't quote. Doesn't he have that like whole monologue that's like? Give me my famous. daughter back. Wait, what? I'm like I'm a Navy Seal. I can break your arm in six places, and probably. I probably is that. I believe. I'm that. not even close. Anyway, so this is like I said, this is odd. Okay. So it's this anti-abduction program that claimed to provide training to law enforcement. On, quote, non-coercive interrogation techniques, end quote. So he said that his project was accredited by the Department of Criminal Justice Services. But that doesn't exist. I was going to say that sounds very made up. That's not a thing. Right. Um, he also had these bizarre video ads for this project. And... I was I was watching one of them and it was almost like a movie trailer. I'm going to I'm going to describe it. So the video ad was basically this this girl she walks by like a poster and she glances at it says like project taken like you don't have to be one of these like one in 12 girls are abducted all over the world every day or something some statistic or like and she looks at it and she just like ignores it and keeps moving and then she gets kidnapped but um by like this guy and he like sits her down in a chair and ties her up and says like I was watching you and he was like you shouldn't have ignored me you ignored me and like we it, it, it's like very in depth oh yeah I think I saw Remember? you watch. yeah 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 as in like an ad for an abduction program like it, very strange it, it was like a Criminal Minds episode for a right, while right um so the there are blog posts and the blog post says that it's a 501c3 nonprofit, but uh, so I went on what was it? Daily Mail, Daily Beast. I wanted the Daily Beast. So Daily Beast is not the best source, but I did click right. off of their other sources. I'd and say it was it's more, like a middle grade source. Yeah, it was more like the links that they had about the stuff they were saying was better than the actual article itself. But the article had like a lot more information. That's where I mainly got the stuff about Cameron Gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the reporters there, they couldn't locate um, anything under that name. They couldn't find his, his project. They're like, this isn't a thing. Hmm. So what's the question here? Is he, is he pulling this for fame? Was it was it all fake? Is Sherry in on it? Or did he or did he like see something and irresponsibly jump into something that was real? Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I think. So it seems that he always thinks that he has a better grip on things than the law enforcement does and that was kind of a motif throughout this investigation was that the law enforcement was not they were not happy with this guy Mm -hmm. they were like you're handling things wrong you're going out of your way to do something that's potentially dangerous that you don't even know if it's gonna work right well the police always say typically right don't pay ransoms so to proactively really yeah that's what typically they they say i I think i think that's typically the pro i'm not obviously a law enforcement professional or anything like that but i think the thinking is that a what's the guarantee you're actually going to get this person back right 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 you know um, like you could give away fifty thousand dollars and they won't come back right exactly you know and and be like 
it, I think it's just the idea that you don't work on their terms, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like the whole reason why the United States doesn't, you know, um, pay ransoms. You know, it's like when you you start doing that, you're like encouraging people to do it. I guess they mm-hmm. they don't want to like feed into that cycle of like making the crime pay essentially, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So from from the law enforcement perspective, I think they just can't like get involved with it. So, uh, Cameron Gamble filed for bankruptcy in 2012. Um, so, Project Taken ended up costing more money than it got. So, this is from the Daily Beast article. Quote, he promised to bring an added supernatural approach when training, quote, those who dare to pierce the darkness with the light of the gospel, end quote. Elsewhere, Gamble is described as, quote, training Christian missionary groups on how to stay safe while traveling in some of the most primitive and heavily persecuted regions in the world, end quote. So here's another weird aspect of this. His project, his whole little organization was backed by a local church. Hmm. What was their angle on this? Were they trying to get money out of it too? Or? I, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. So, like I said, the money was never claimed. But... This Gamble, anonymous donor. Yes. Who even knows if they ever even had any money. Right, right. Ooh. Happy 11 o'clock. It's 11 o'clock, everybody. 11 o'clock and all's well. Time to take your crazy pills. <laughs> all right. So, the money was never claimed, but Gamble believes that his tactics helped like the ransoming and stuff helped her come back because she did come back she was dumped off 24 hours later but still nobody like was like okay where's the money and we still don't know we still don't know if she was actually kidnapped yeah if if sex trafficking was actually going on like what what actually happened with her like no one knows right yeah she never was willing to say like the real story yeah and so currently um, Sherry Papini and her family are in hiding. They moved to a different place. Or mm, did they move or did they stay in the... I think they stayed in the same area, but they don't go out. Mm. They don't do much. If they see, like, if Sherry's seen, like, I there's a whole subreddit dedicated to this case. Really? And there was a post that was like, look who we saw today at the restaurant. And it was her. And it was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. That they went out. Yeah. So they're kind of keeping it on the DL, hiding. But there were no charges for anyone ever, right? No. For anything. No. Because, like, they said they weren't sure. They didn't, like, actually try to, like, defraud anybody, right? It wasn't, like... Right, right. There was no, like... Yeah. Right. So I think the most suspicious thing is this Cameron Gamble dude. But it yeah. also... There's pieces Maybe to it that they still were... don't add up. Like, what... I know. <laughs> I mean, just the whole thing. Right? Yeah, like, because her, she, her injuries were real. Like, she was, I believe that she was kidnapped. Yeah. And if she wasn't kidnapped, what, did the husband do it? Did Well, that's what I was thinking, too. Don't you think she'd say something? I don't well, know. I guess you don't know, right? In that situation with all that gaslighting and manipulation, you never know what she... Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's the husband. I don't know. It just seems very strange to me that they wouldn't have claimed any of the money from the GoFundMe page. Like, if the yeah. if the idea was to get, like, bilk money out of people for for this thing, then why didn't they, like, 
actually get the money. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's a very, very weird case. And it it's is very strange. Just there. Yeah. That's it. Cool. And did, um, did you already say your sources? Or? No, my sources were The Daily Beast, Ranker, Wikipedia, and The Guardian. Cool. Key. Okay. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. So, so yours is murdery. Mine yes. is mystery. Yours is murdery. Yes. Uh, mine is definitely murdery. Uh, I am doing a, a, cl- a classic uh, unsolved murder, classic. Uh, triple murder from <gasps> down under. Uh, Australia. In Australia. Australia. Shout out to all our Australian listeners. Um, uh, shrimp on the Bobby. Right. Shrimp on the Barbie to to y'all, mate. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do the Gatton murders. Uh, it's a really really classic uh, Australian murder mystery that like people are still talking about nowadays, like oh, well over a hundred years later. So it's also known as the Gatton tragedy, the Gatton mystery, the Murphy murders. Um, so this was Boxing Day on eighteen in eighteen ninety eight, which is the day after thanks or sorry the day after Christmas. Why is it called Boxing Day? Because it's the day in which you you deal with all the boxes <laughs> of all the things that were bought. You know, on, you don't deal with it on Christmas Day. You just open the presents. You have fun the day oh, after. Um, you box things up. That's pro Boxing tip, Day. Everybody. Uh, wrap your presents in newspaper. <laughs> right. Don't spend a lot of money on wrap. Because <laughs> you're just going to fucking rip it up. Okay. So this is uh, in the very, very small town of Gatton in uh, Queensland, Australia. Um, and this is a town of about 500 at the time. Oh, okay. So it's a re- really small town. Small. But it was like a main like stopping point between Queensland, which is, um, I think, like the... Um, What's the name of this the of the region? But I think it's also like the name of the capital of the region. Okay. And this place called Darling Downs, which I guess is a place where like by the coast where people go on vacation and stuff. I think I may be getting all this wrong. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, the important part is that it's like a small town, but there are people like moving through it all the time, right? Right, right. So um, Michael Murphy, 29, was home for the holidays. Um, visiting with two of his younger sisters, Nora, 27, and Ellen, 18. They had fun on, you know, Christmas. Uh, this was um, the the day after, and they were going to go to this dance at, at the local hall, right? Uh-huh. So they left at about 8 p.m. to go to this dance um, in a small cart called the Sulky that they had borrowed from their brother-in-law, William McNeil, that had a, a wobbling wheel. Uh, which will become important in a little while. When they got to the hall, it was about 9 p.m., and they found out that the dance had been canceled because apparently there just weren't enough women who came. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was uh, it was a bit of a sausage fest, and they were everybody was like, "Yeah, this ain't so cool." <laughs> so they said, "Like, go home. It's it's fine. We won't do it." So anyway, they get there, they leave. Um, they don't show back up at the house. Okay. Now, these things typically go all night, you know, big ragers, you know, around <laughs> Christmas. Um, so, you know, the mom wasn't too worried until, you know, it was like 7, noon the next day. Like, okay, where are they? Yeah. You know, um, so the mom sends William McNeil out, the, the brother-in-law, to, you know, find out what happened to them. And he noticed the sulkies 
quote, distinctive tracks turning off the road through a slip rail. So essentially he was walking along the road to the the town, right? Because mm-hmm. they lived a few miles outside the town, outside of Gatton, and uh, on this farm. And he saw the distinctive tracks, right? Like I said, the wobbling wheel. So he could tell that it was like oh, their so particular car. Okay. And that the cart was turn had turned off at one point onto this little access road, right? This like little trail running into the into the woods, ominously running into the woods, right? As we'll see. So he follows the tracks about three quarters of a mile down, and comes upon the scene of a horrible crime. Michael and Ellen's bodies were lying back to back near each other, right, laying down. Um, Nora was spread out on a blood-soaked rug about 28 feet away, and they were all... had On a rug? On a rug, and they all had their feet uh, pointing west. So it looked like they had all kind of been posed. Were they in the woods? Yeah, they were in the woods. I think I've heard of this. Yeah, it's it's like a pretty famous one. Um, The sulky was forming the third wall of a triangle facing south about 18 feet from Michael and 36 feet from Nora. So if you can imagine, Michael and um, Ellen are, like, here, right, facing, like, this way, and then um, Nora's over here, and then the Sulky's over here. So it's kind of like a triangle. And um, the horse had also been shot in the head and was, like, laying there by the, you know, still attached to the cart. So... uh, Sort of weird, William McNeil first ran to the local pub and, like, told everyone there what had happened. And he, apparently he was, like, really distraught, like, obviously, and, or seemed to be. And then, and then he ran to the local authorities. Um, and the, the police were brought in eventually from Brisbane, which is a town, you know, like, pretty close, like, within the 100 miles or something. But no investigators actually came onto the scene for two full days later. And we'll we'll see that the investigation was like pretty badly bungled. Do we like know from why? top to bottom? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get okay. it. We'll 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 get into it. It was it all kind of came out in this um commission report that we'll we'll hear about. So when eventually the bodies were, you know, dealt with, there was an autopsy done by uh this guy named Dr. Von Losberg from the government medical office at uh, Ipswich, um, which is another larger town, you know, near there. And what Dr. Van Losberg found was that Michael had been shot and struck with a blunt instrument on the right side of the head, Mm. that Ellen's skull had been fractured by two blows to the left side of the head, um, and that Michael and Ellen had been sitting upright back to back when they had actually been killed. And then their bodies were, like, laid out on, you know, laying down on their backs. And that Nora had been struck on the left side of her head, shattering her skull so badly that it actually exposed part of her brain tissue as well. So her the left side of her head had just been completely, like, crushed in. Um, so really, really brutal So then they murders. were, like, posed? And then they were kind of posed, yeah. Uh, Nora had also been strangled with a harness strap that um, was never actually recovered. I believe, and then both women were also probably sexually assaulted, um, like with, with objects, not not like, um, you know, yeah, as so, just really, really terrible, you know, brutal, brutal killings. Um, 
this first autopsy that was done, though, was pretty clearly um, not up to snuff, right? There were, were definite questions about the sort of validity and legitimacy of this initial um, examination. So the bodies were actually exhumed later on. I don't remember how long it was, but there was some, you know, fairly substantial degradation of the bodies that happened before the second um, examination. And the second examination definitely confirmed that the initial examination was only kind of cursory, that it was definitely not it a wasn't real looked autopsy. Into well. No. The second autopsy actually found another bullet wound in Michael's head, oh. which had been obscured by the blow to the same spot. And they also found a bullet in the skull that was not recovered in the first autopsy. <laughs> So, so yeah, they didn't look very hard. Doctor Von Losberg did not do a very good job. No, in the in the first autopsy, he had literally missed the bullet, um, and there was kind of a big you know blame game among the authorities as to who was at fault for this pot botched post mortem. Right, like oh they didn't tell me this or whatever misunderstandings. It just it didn't it didn't happen. Right, and this is again also indicative of how the police investigation went it it got off to an equally bad start um so like i was talking about earlier william mcneil first contacted sergeant errol um the local authority at nine fifteen a.m on december 27th so was william mcneil the guy who found them yeah he's okay. the brother-in-law the one who found them okay and they went to the scene of the crime um and stayed there for about 30 minutes but sergeant errol didn't take any notes he didn't clear the crime scene. Mm. Um, he didn't interview anyone. So people are just trampling all around. So they, they're just there. There's just bodies and people are just like. Yeah. People <gasps> are just like looking around. What the fuck? No attempt to cordon off the crime scene or anything. When did this happen again? 1898. 18... 1898. Wow, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. No, they, they should have known better for sure. Yeah. Uh, this was not standard procedure. Like even in a small town in Australia in the turn of the 20th century, like this was really bad. Um, Sergeant Errol also, uh, this guy just sounds like a fucking idiot. Honestly, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but this, this Sergeant Errol guy just he sounds like a fucking moron. Um, because he also mistakenly thought that you couldn't, that the police couldn't send urgent telegrams. Like, he literally thought that it was against the rules for him to send a telegram marked as urgent. Like, he What's was... What's the logic there? I don't know. But he was, like, ar- <laughs> he was like arguing with William McNeil. You're like, truly baffled. <laughs> like, w- like, William McNeil's like, no, like, you need to s- send uh, to Brisbane. Like, they need to come here, like, quickly. Now. Send it urgent. <laughs> like, three dead bodies. And the policeman's, you know, just like, no, I don't think we can do that. Yeah, that's not a thing. No, I don't want to get in trouble. Like, what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so that was kind of part of why it took so long to get people, you know, to get um, authorities on the scene, right? Like I said, it took two days for them to get there. So they also just waited for a reply from the Brisbane Police Department. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, Sergeant Errol didn't start doing any of the investigation himself. He was just like, okay, sent the telegram. Let's wait. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. You know, it's, hey, I'm still on vacation, you know. Um, Because actually, the reply that they did get, which they got pretty quickly, actually, wasn't opened until the next day, December 28th, because it was a holiday. 
they're like, okay, we'll just wait. Because, of course, you know that, um, you know, the longer just... you wait in a murder investigation, the easier things get, right? Need... Oh, of course. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, this was kind of how it went. Uh, over the next five months, um, the investigation continued. There were tons of suspects. Um, about 3,000 people were eventually interviewed. Wow. Um, and, of course, a lot of the suspects included the family members, um, people in the town, um, a priest, you know, just different people. But no arrests were ever made. No one was ever, like, really, like, legitimately, you know, like, um, looked into for the crime. Um, there were a couple of main suspects that we'll talk about, though. Before we do, though, just to get a little bit more into, like, how terrible this investigation uh. was. Um, so the, the the public was, like, really outraged about just how terrible this was going. Yeah. Like, three people were killed. There's a killer out on the loose. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And just how terrible the crimes were. You know, like, this really shocked you know, the consciousness of the the people in Australia at the time, as it would at any time in any right, place. Right, I mean, right, these right. are terrible, terrible crimes. But especially, as you can imagine, in a town of 500. Right. You know, like, people are, are like, really fucking freaked out. Um, so eventually there was an investigation into the investigation that was done by the Royal Commission in uh, 1899, the next year. And that... Um, that investigation itself found that there were lots of shortcomings in the Queensland Police Department, um, in the various police departments that were involved here. This was indicative of that, but there were, like, wider issues as well, right, as you can imagine. Um, it also found that Daniel Murphy, the brother of Michael Murphy and a police officer, I believe in Brisbane, uh, received a telegram about the murders on December 27th. And he actually attempted to go to Gatton um, pretty early in the day, but the train had already left. So at that mm. point, he, like, wanted to do something, right? Because this was, like, his cousins, I think, that had been killed. Um, he tried to get the criminal investigation branch there in, in I believe it's in Brisbane, to start uh, working on the case. But there was a rumor that was going around that this, these murders were a hoax. Oh, that I guess. So they like, yeah, so they didn't actually start working on anything. And then Daniel Murphy left for Gatton on a train later in the day at about 5 p.m. The head inspector at the criminal investigation branch also didn't immediately take action because he thought it was a hoax. Like he he had heard that rumor. He was told at 4 p.m. that day that the murders were in fact not a hoax. (laughs) That, That three people were in fact brutally murdered in Gatton. Um, Surprise! Yeah. Uh, but the commissioner, for what some reason, waited until about 9 p.m. to order two detectives to go to Gatton. But they also didn't leave immediately because there was a train leaving at midnight that they could have taken. They waited until the 7.30 a.m. train the next day to go. So just like every point, you know, it, it was there just were like... There steps that yeah. should have been taken but weren't. Exactly. And the Royal Commission describes chances this... to get it, to get on, to do this. Right. And they're just like, at every point, it was just like, nah, meh, we'll wait. We'll take a little longer. And again, as we know, the 24 hours 
after a murder occurs are the most crucial time. Well, uh, the twenty four to forty eight yeah. hours. Once you get past that point, even in a modern investigation, it's, it's it becomes exponentially more difficult. Right, right. And as you can imagine, in eighteen ninety eight. Even more so, <laughs> you know, like even even the forensics we have now, which are extremely flawed, they didn't even have that then, right? Yes. So the royal commission I did recently learned, yeah, um, <laughs> d- described this whole thing as quote a sequence of events as incomprehensible, indicative of the existence of a rotten system of policing and a culpable indifference on the part of Inspector Urquhart. To his duty to the public, yeah. uh, close quote, and that was the main um, inspector, the the guy who was kind of in charge of the investigation, uh, Inspector Urquhart, or however you say that name. Um, yeah, he he just did he basically bungled this thing, but there were some suspects that that did come out of it, right? Okay, theories. So we'll we'll kind of get into that now. So lots of people were accused, but there was no real like evidence to tie them to the crime. Uh, William McNeil himself, um, the person who comes upon the scene of a crime oftentimes is the first suspect, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The victim's father also was a prime suspect after a woman said that she heard screams of father that night. Oh, my gosh. Uh, The town priest is another big one. Uh, A spurned lover, uh, a disgruntled family member of one of... Michael, one of the victims, dalliances in town because apparently he would one of sleep. his what? Uh, okay, Dal- so what dalliance? You know, no tryst, hookups. Oh, talking to each other. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. So apparently, what what he would do? He, he he would sleep around in town a lot. He got some women pregnant. Um, so they think so. it, it might have been like revenge for you know one of the the families, right? The, but why everyone? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Everybody was there, kill everybody type thing? And one of the, perhaps, um, one of the crazier theories was that, um, okay, it might have been the sister of this school teacher that Nora had been having a, quote, psychological battle with over the past couple of years. So apparently there was this school teacher that Nora, the the younger sister who was killed, who was 18, had been having this, like, weird, like, um, fight with, where they had been, like, insulting each other, like, spreading rumors. Um, I think there was even, like, a physical altercation that, that happened at like one point. That sounds like some petty girl shit that happens all the time. Basically, she was, like, the cash-me-outside girl. Ew, we don't talk about... Why would you Kinda disrespect like this podcast? Kind of like that. Say that name. Cash-me-outside, though. Cash-me-outside, how about that? How about that? How about that? So, not to make fun of victims, she was definitely a victim and was brutally killed uh, back in 1898 in Gatton. But um, apparently she may have been uh, a little bit like the Cash Me Outside girl. Perhaps. Maybe. My theory. That's my theory. Um, And they think that this... Oh, and and I should also mention that that school teacher ended up killing herself. (gasps) Oh my god! Apparently because of all this. So the, the sister of that woman... They think maybe she had something to do with it, perhaps. So despite all of this, you know, kind of small town intrigue, the police thought that it was probably just some drifter, right? It's a a very popular theory amongst police. That's what I was thinking when you said the town was a... Right. It was a stopover. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what the police thought, too. So first, they thought that it could be this guy, Richard Burgess, 
um, 39, who was a kind of a career criminal who happened to be in town at the time, but he had a very solid alibi. Next, uh, and this is kind of the main suspect of the, from the time, this guy who was known as Thomas Day, although he also went by a lot of different aliases in his life. Do we know why? Because he was just kind of a criminal. Okay. Um, so he he would change his name and move around and stuff. So he was actually not looked at very much in the initial investigation, but was identified by the Royal Commission as a prime suspect. He lived in a hut around 900 feet from the murder site oh. um, and had worked for a short while before that as a, um, with a local butcher. And he was possibly seen running after the sulky when Michael, Nora, and Ellen were on their way to the dance and was definitely seen skulking around the area, including the little access road leading to the crime scene during that day, right, on the but 27th. he also... Oh, he... Okay. Or the 26th, So do we know rather. where he was that Not really. Night? No. I mean, but he lived right there. Because if he right was home there. and if he was around, don't you think he'd hear <clears throat> No it? one... Yeah, no one can really substantiate I guess that's his the whereabouts, question, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a witness who also said that they saw him washing blood from his overalls, like, a few days after the crime occurred. Oh, nice. But he committed suicide not long after the murders happened. So we'll never really know. Hmm. Um, a modern researcher, 85-year-old Brisbane resident Stephanie Bennett, has proposed another suspect— uh, a man named Joe Quinn, who is a, quote, swag man. Oh, I know a Joe Quinn. Which is apparently an Australian term. Probably the same guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's an <laughs> Australian term for an itinerant laborer common at the time. Um, so this swag man apparently had a local, had a, sorry, long history, uh, criminal history in the area. Um, also went by lots of aliases. And according to Bennett, uh, Stephanie Bennett, Michael Murphy had angered him by exposing his criminal history, quote, during an altercation in a long-reach barbershop, close quote, four years before the crimes occurred. Mm. So, again, who 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 are their enemies, right? That's what yeah. you always look at, right? And she proposes, Miss um, Bennett does, that he committed the murders that Joe Quinn did as revenge with the help of some locals. Um, so there's no, you know, real proof to support her claims, but she has gotten the approval of at least one living family member named Dennis Couts. Because th there's still, like, a lot of, like, discussion of this in the area, like, even up to now. Yeah, I bet there's, it's... like, ancestors who was like, yeah, that was my great-great-great-great-great-grandma. Like... For sure, yeah. Whoa. Um, and, and it's still, like, a big topic of discussion, like, in the area, like, down to this day. So, yeah, that's uh, the Gatton murders. Um, we'll never know for sure, obviously. Yeah, but... that's a frustrating one. Yeah, th there's another big research in researcher into it who thinks that it was probably um the local priest who did it so there's just like a lot of different theories the priest one surprised me did you get any more information about why no there wasn't too much more information or I, there wasn't even a name of who it was yeah. but it was just another one um who knows why for sure so my sources uh wikipedia 
the Gatton Murders uh, page. Yep, yep. Y- Wikipedia, Mary Bovson at New York Daily News, Tim Leslie at Australian Broadcasting Company, uh, Catherine Townsend at CrimeFeed.com, and the Unsolved Mystery of Australia's Grizzly Gatton Murders uh, page on HuffPost. And then th- there were some other ones too, but I forgot to write them down. Um, yeah, th- those are good, a, uh, good, um... Yeah, did you watch any docs? Oh, no, I think that was the crimefeed.com one. Um, anyway, th- th- there was another kind of, like, discussion that I listened to about it. No, I didn't listen, I didn't watch any documentaries. But I do have some... Weird, weird shit, shit in, in the, the news. news. Weird shit in the news. Weird shit. Weird shit in the news. Weird. Okay, Shit. so the news. Mine is from Reuters. Um, it's a Reuters story titled "Scary Scary Lodgers." Frenchman Scaly. shares scaly scary lodgers. Thank you. Frenchman shares home with four hundred reptiles. What? Yeah. So what? this guy, um, Philip Gillette, sixty-seven years old. He's a reptile enthusiast. And for over two decades, he has amassed a collection of more than 400 um, different animals that, you know, people would not typically want to live with, right? Where is this guy from? Um, France. So uh, he's Philippe. Right. Philippe. Fi- right. Philippe Gillette. Sure. Gillette. Sure, sure. Baguette. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> so he, he has, uh, you know, lizards, tarantulas, rattlesnakes. <gasps> he's got two alligators named Ali and Gator. Of course, who were rescued from a leather farm. Um, and one of them is seven feet long, and it sleeps in his bed. <laughs> Not kidding. I love this guy. I, know, I love right? this man. Philippe, Philippe seems cool. <laughs> um, and he says, you know, the locals are totally cool with it. They, they okay, regularly right. pop in for coffee. Um, and, you know, he says he keep, you know, keeps them, you know, the, the animals safely away from them. Uh, when they do come, but he does say that the local fire department is a little bit more cautious. They actually have a standing order not to go into his house, even in the case of an emergency. So I guess that's part Ugh. of the deal. <laughs> you can get you, you can have all of your you know exotic, dangerous animals, but uh, if there's a fire, oh fuck you, we're not going in there. <laughs> I I, I kind of want a, like a gecko or a salamander. I think they're cute. A snake would be a cool pet, actually. Oh, I love snakes. My cousin Ricky had a snake, had a, pe- a pet snake for a while. He probably still does. I'm a Slytherin. So yeah, good for you. I have a weird connection to snakes. Right? Can you speak snake? Hiss, hiss, bitch. <laughs> That's it. That's snake. Okay. Okay. So, I have some weird shit in the news, too. Good. So, at first I was like, oh, this isn't that weird, because I guess that's a thing. But the title is, Superintendent Apologizes After Students Were Served Chili with Kangaroo Meat. Oh, I heard about this. So, apparently, okay, so, Kangaroo Meat, I was, like, really weirded out by it. But it's, like, a thing. Like, that's not uncommon. Sure. Like, the comments I was reading were like, oh, like kangaroo meat's actually delicious. Right. But yeah, if you're one of our Australian listeners and you've had yeah. kangaroo meat, email us and tell us how it is. Yes. So, Mystery this, murder thing at gmail.com. This was in Nebraska. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like this what? Wasn't, this wasn't in Melbourne. It was in Nebraska. Um, so Mike Williams, superintendent, 
said, we will no way be we we will no way be serving food of this nature again. Period. Uh, he says the head cook added kangaroo because it was a quote very lean meat. I just. Yep. I probably just stick to the basics. Yeah. I just bet I just bet parents were like you ate what today? <laughs> um so my second one is oh. about it's cuz I it's about oceans. Uh-huh. It's called it's about the uh this one is also kind of trending. Let me see if I can find it. The headless chicken monster. That's what they are <laughs> Are, are, uh, are it has an actual name. <laughs> like it was it has like a, a sea cucumber. Or yeah, something. that's like a scientific. No, name. no, no. I couldn't find one. It. I, I can't remember, but it does. It's this weird animal that they captured the second video ever of. Um, yes. In the ocean. Yes. And, uh, and it looks I don't very, think very it strange. looks like a chicken. It's like bright pink. I don't think it looks like a chicken either. And it looks like a little blob thing. It's kind of cute. Yeah. I can't find the article anyway. I had one other one. I found it. Okay. Go. Um, Headless chicken monster uh, of the deep caught on camera in the southern ocean. So, yeah. So it was first filmed last year in the Gulf of Mexico. And then they just recently found it. So it swims, unlike most sea cucumbers. Uh, and it says the availability of cheap smartphone-like cameras is helping scientists uncover Antarctic marine life. Which, I don't know, that's pretty cool. I think so. Ooh, ooh, look at it move. <laughs> ooh. Yeah, look ooh. look up the video of it. Yeah, look it's, at it. It's pretty weird. <laughs> pretty strange. Um, so I, I had one just real quick. Uh, it's a story by Sean Keen at CNET. Uh, NYPD pulls thousands of body cameras from streets after cops explodes. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. What kind of problems is that going to cause? So apparently this officer's body camera started um, started uh, smoking. And, and then he was like, oh, fuck. And like took it off and threw it down. And then it exploded. So they pulled all of them? Yeah, they pulled 2,990 of these types out of 16 precincts in New York, out of the 15,500 body cameras that are deployed across all of the NYPD. So okay. this was about a third of the total body cameras wow. that were in use. Now, of course, we know body cameras, they're not always on. They're not always used properly. Sometimes, even as in the case of the officer who killed Quan McDonald, they will refute the evidence from them, even when it's clear <laughs> So, obviously, body cameras are not a panacea, right? But they at least shouldn't explode, one would hope. <laughs> um, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, so apparently oh apparently these are going to be, re- you know, they're going to get, like, replacements for them, I guess. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... Uh, I think we're. That's uh, the pod! That's the pod. Thank you for listening. Team Mystery! Yay, Team Mystery. I said that every time we say Team Mystery, we have to high-five. And every time we high five, we have to say team mystery. Team mystery. Um, okay, I think that's enough. <laughs> but thanks for listening, you guys. Yes, for real. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. I'll post a picture of the little sea cucumber. Dude. Do it. Um, and yeah, it's um, you know, we're just we're just like trying 
keep making good good stuff for y'all and uh tell all your friends tell your friends and happy um, halloween of course happy halloween and we'll be uh putting oh, yeah. out an episode on halloween oh that's right it's gotta we should dress up should we even though no one can see us should we make it halloween themed <gasps> yes halloween mysteries halloween mysteries we'll halloween find something oh go see the new halloween movie it was really good i thought i thought it was good um halloween the original is like my favorite uh my favorite you know halloween movie horror movie um so yeah that's uh that's, that's probably that's probably about it uh, pretty, i think it's uh pretty uh, pretty good pretty good pretty good, good. pretty good okay bye okay bye